the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Yes, indeed he is. They checked my ID at the door, and I think they even considered throwing me out imposter of some sort. But anyway, they let me in. (laughs) So we can do another edition of Lifeline here for you as we do each Monday through Friday, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Hey, we got a great show lined up for you today. Are there times when you struggle in life with forgiveness, either on the end of having offended or hurt another, and you are living under the weight of the guilt and wish that the person that you offended would forgive you, and yet they haven't, and so there's this big rift in the relationship. Or, or maybe, as is common to many of us, you have been wounded or wronged, and try as you may, you've not been able to muster up all that you need to forgive. Or you say, well, I've forgiven, but I'll never forget. Today we're going to spend some time breaking down the biblical viewpoint on forgiveness. And I'm fascinated when we get into our conversation today with Steve Deal of Forgiveness Ministries to get his take on years of research that he has done into the topic. You know that ironically, a number of leading Christian books that have been written on the topic down through the years offer more than 30 different ways to experience and extend forgiveness. Ironically, few, if any of them, really contain the complete biblical formula. We'll find out exactly what that is, why that is, and more importantly, how learning to extend and receive forgiveness can bring about a greater sense of well-being, not only to your mind, but frankly, to your entire being, from a unique biblical perspective. Steve Deal, a look at Forgiveness coming up in just a few moments. As we lead off the program tonight, you are no doubt aware that we have launched another year of the KFAX Half-Off Tuition Program, giving an opportunity for parents around the Bay Area that would like to provide their student, their son or daughter, with a Christ-based education to be able to do so and get involved in Christian education at half the normal tuition rate. It's an amazing program, and to give us an example of one of the fine schools that is yet again this year participating in the KFAX Half-Off Tuition Program, we're pleased to have join us from Liberty Baptist School down in the, the South Bay, the superintendent and principal, Ross Pyle. Ross has been a pastor, a missionary, and an educator, and Ross, great to have you on the program. Greg, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Tell me a bit first about your own personal passion for education. I understand you've on board, been on board there as superintendent and principal of uh, Liberty's program that runs K through 12 for a little over two years now. What first draw you to Liberty, and, and what, in your opinion, Ross, is so key, so different about a Christ-centered education as opposed to the standard public school secular style? What... Um brought me to Liberty, first of all, was just my love for, for the church. 
and for Pastor Smith and the leadership here and for the ministry that they have had in my life over the past several years, not only um, as, a, as a good church, but as a supporting church in my mission in South Africa. When we left the field, we were um, seeking the Lord's will in regard to what he would have for our, our, uh, our future ministry. And uh, Pastor Smith uh, called me and uh, presented me with the opportunity to come to be the principal of Liberty Baptist School. Uh, my daughter had already attended here in high school, and I knew about the school and was impressed with it and knew that it provided a good quality education. And to have the opportunity to, uh, to be the principal of this school was a no-brainer for me. It was a great opportunity. And uh, this year, of course, marks the 40th anniversary of Liberty Baptist School ministering down there in San Jose on King Road. Give us a bit of a glimpse in terms of the totality of some of the offerings presented. I mentioned about the fact that Liberty has um, both grades K through 12, so pretty much course offering across the board. That is correct. Now, we are a fairly small school. We uh, enroll a little over 100 students. Um, We have, because of that, um, small class sizes, which gives uh, an opportunity for our teachers to not only get to know each one of our students very well, but to give them the kind of attention that they need to give them a quality education. We are clearly and uh, unashamedly a Christian school. We, uh, we have chapel every week, um, every Wednesday, where there's good, solid preaching from Scripture and from the Word of God. All of our classes are centered around... Uh, around Christ, around the ministry, around the Bible, and even in our uh, math classes, academic classes, we, uh, we have prayer, we know the students uh, in, this, in this way, in a, in a spiritual way, and there's just a very sweet spirit around our campus. Our students come from very good homes. Um, the parents are extremely supportive of our ministry. Uh, normally when we have uh, special events, we have very good participation from our our church families and from our school families and uh, it's just a blessing to be here every day uh, we don't uh, you know we don't have a lot of the problems that are normally associated with larger schools and uh, probably the biggest problems we have are uh, maybe kids getting their homework in late or or uh, or uh, kids missing school once in a while, but that's about it. Well, and what strikes me about the numbers that you are citing, Ross, is the fact that, uh, you know, on average in public schools, the average public school teacher who may run anywhere between, say, five to six periods of class a day, when you multiply out the number of periods that they instruct, times the number of students in the average class size, uh, a average teacher can have between 150 and 180 students that he or she is responsible for. Not exactly the kind of environment that helps foster one-on-one individualized attention that is oftentimes necessary to help kids in today's crazy, hectic uh, environment with so many distractions going on, electronic and otherwise, to be able to focus on their studies and walk away with a grasp of the academics presented so that they've got the tools and skills that they need to to move on and be successful in life and to complete their uh, matriculation through public school or, 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 pardon me, through primary years and be able to then move on to a two- and four-year uh, college or university. So actually... One of the real selling points, so to speak, about Liberty is the unique attention that you're able to afford because it's not a big school. 
That is the truth, and and uh, you know it is a it's a very very intimate, very quaint environment here, and um, you know I think our our students sometimes maybe they don't realize it, but it's a great advantage for them, and uh, the graduates that come out of our school have uh, gone on. Many of them go to Christian colleges, others go to state universities, but we've never had any problem uh, enrolling our students into the kind of second uh, in, into the higher education areas where they wanted to go. And so. one of the things, too, that strikes me about Liberty, looking at your website, Ross, and that is that in, in spite of the intimate size, you offer a very robust music program and athletic program. Well, the music program is really one of the highlights and kind of the backbone of our school. Our uh, music director, Mr. Ron Muehlbauer, is a very godly person. Uh, he uh, obviously loves what he's doing. He's been here for 20 years. Uh, we want to do everything we can to keep him here because he's a tremendous blessing to our school. And he teaches everything from woodwind instruments, brass instruments, from th- uh, third grade all the way up to high school. He um, leads the choirs and all the singing groups, and he does a, just a tremendous job. And I believe that of our entire student body, even though it is pretty small, there's only about three or four students that are not involved heavily in the music program. So that's pretty important. And then we've had a strong um, uh, athletic program uh, from the onset of, of Liberty Baptist School. And as our enrollment uh, decreases, uh, uh, some of our athletic uh, programs get uh, get cut, but we still provide uh, high school basketball and girls volleyball, and uh, we're competitive, and uh, we want to keep that up. And, you know, children at the end of the day will have a lifetime to be able to play sports, but you only get one real shot at getting that base foundation of education that should literally last you and take you through a lifetime. If Liberty Back to School sounds like a kind of school that might be of benefit to your students, your son or your daughter, we invite you to get more information. You can go online simply to libertybaptist.org. That's libertybaptist.org. We'll mention, too, that Liberty Baptist is one of the fine schools participating yet once again this year in the KFAX half-off tuition program. And uh, literally, for first-time students... They have never attended a Christian school before, and uh, you'd like to be able to have your son or daughter get in and have their first year at half the normal tuition price. All you need to do is go to the KFAX website at kfax.com and click on the half-off tuition banner to get more details. You'll find an interactive map there of schools participating throughout the San Francisco Bay Area, including Liberty Baptist Christian School of San Jose. So we invite you to uh, check that out. Great gift for your son and daughter, grandparents. That'd be a great gift for your grandchild as well. Information, again, specifically about Liberty Baptist Christian School in San Jose at libertybaptist.org. We thank the superintendent and principal Liberty Baptist, Ross Pyle, for being with us. And for you, more details about the KFAX half-off tuition program online right now at kfax.com. That's kfax.com. All right, let's get you around that corner traffic-wise. 515, we've got the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center with Michael Bennett. Hey, Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back. Not that we ever went anywhere. Welcome back to the conversation. 20 minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. here on the Wednesday edition of Lifeline. And we turn a corner into a topic that I don't know of anyone on planet Earth 
that doesn't or shouldn't have an interest in this. And and while, let me sort of do the disclaimer here, while we as believers, as Christians, would think that perhaps we've got the best and deepest understanding about all of this, I mean, after all, we have experienced the ultimate forgiveness that is provided through Jesus Christ. And yet, ironically, areas and levels of confusion over what forgiveness is and isn't seem to reign almost as supreme within the church as without. For example, my guest tonight, who has researched this topic exhaustively for 20, 30-something years, concluded that of over 60 best-selling books on the topic, that contained within the 60 books are more than 30, 32 different approaches to forgiveness. And ironically, of those 30-something approaches to forgiveness, barely any of them provide the complete, unadulterated approach that Scripture provides and stipulates what forgiveness is, how we should experience it, how we should extend it, and why ultimately it's so important. Joining us today in studio is Steve Deal. He is the co-founder of Forgiveness Ministries. He is an author, a speaker, and uh, for many years had a program right here on KFAX as well. Steve, welcome. Good to see you again. Glad to be here. Thanks, Craig. I was looking at psychology today, and they were quoting some information from the American Psychological Association on the topic of forgiveness. And it struck me as interesting in their, their core definition to suggest that Yes, forgiveness is important, and in order to experience, you need to, and I quote here, muster up genuine compassion for those who have wronged us and learn how to move on from the past, period. And I thought, (laughs) boy, you know, that's like a conversation I had with my CPA to ask whether or not I'm going to have to pay more in income taxes this year, and he gets into quoting chapter and verse and numbers and all of that. Uh, A simple yes or no will suffice. Um, There is a... An ignorant degree of complexity and yet simplicity to an answer like that. How do you say to someone who has been wounded, who has been carrying with them this burden, there has grown a deep root of bitterness, there is confusion over this topic, and say to them, you just need to muster up genuine compassion. That that (laughs) kind of thing makes me mad. Sometimes, Craig, in our ministry, I get discouraged, I get frustrated, There's lots of obstacles and difficulties, and honestly, sometimes I feel like giving up. And then I hear something like that, or worse, not coming from the American psychological uh, community, but from pastors. I'll hear someone on the radio say something about forgiveness, and I just want to cry because I know it's not going to be real. It's not going to be effective. People are going to stay hurt and broken, and and they're, they're being led by so-called experts. Why is there so... I mean, setting the, a, the APA aside, and we could just, you know, that's exactly <laughs> what apologues. Carry it out. Why is there so much confusion over this topic? As I suggested in my opening comment, you would think that we as the church overall, who yes. experienced ultimate forgiveness, the, the, the payment of the price, the penalty that we deserve right. on our behalf, and to have that happen unconditionally so, right? and yet we of all seem to be as equally confused about this topic of what forgiveness is. And, and you're absolutely right. It amazes me still that in, you mentioned those 60 Christian books, 60 different Christian authors, and I respect them all, really, um, when they preach about how to be forgiven, the cross of Jesus Christ is right there. 
but when they write a book on how to forgive, the cross of Jesus Christ disappears. Hmm. The only explanation I have for that in answer to your question is, I think Satan knows full well the kind of damage a healthy, healed, forgiving, not just forgiven, but forgiving Christian would have on Satan's kingdom to dismantle it. And and this lack of forgiveness in full Mm -hmm. stands in the way of not only our capacity to enter into real deep communion with God, Mm -hmm. but our capacity to enjoy the fullness of other relationships on the horizontal plane. And does it also not, as some have suggested, interfere with our capacity to experience overall wholeness in life? Yeah, mental health, physical health. Exactly. The the person who carried this this anger, this bitterness for years, and boy, they're just a a curmudgeonly nasty old individual, and suddenly they drop dead from cancer, and everybody says, well, I know the reason why. If I were Satan, uh, if I could not keep someone from becoming a Christian, I think the way to cripple every other aspect of their life, including their prayer life, including their Bible reading life, is to keep them from practicing forgiveness, specifically forgiving other people. If I could keep people from practicing forgiveness, they will stay crippled and broken in their soul. They will be unable to see truth clearly. They will be unable to make good decisions. It's really, it's like a, um, I have a son-in-law who has a broken neck, and he's paralyzed from the chest down or from the elbows down. I think that's what sin does to a human being in our soul. And practicing forgiveness, receiving it from God, forgiving other people, asking other people to forgive us, that's how God heals the human soul. Satan knows this. So if he can keep Christians broken in our guilt and in our shame and in our fear and our worry, in our anger, in our bitterness, in our hurt, then he can just about cripple and hinder every other thing God wants to do in our lives. So it's a strategic move on Satan's part to throw out as many counterfeit forgiveness ideas as he can out on the table. Because as as is always the case, he doesn't care what lie people believe. He just doesn't want us to believe the truth. Mm -hmm. And the centrality of forgiveness is so key to not just the Christian experience and our relationships, but also to our effectiveness or lack thereof when it comes to disseminating the gospel, sharing our testimony, and reaching others for Christ. True, because when the world looks at us Christians and sees us struggling and suffering with the same inner problems that they are, we have the same depression, the same fears, the same anger when we lash out against our enemies the way they do. When we can't forgive and they can't forgive, they look at us and say, well, your God isn't real. Your gospel's a joke. I don't, I don't need that because you're just like me. So unless and until Christians um, really develop a lifestyle of forgiveness that is so, and it, real forgiveness is this way, that is so different from the world in the way we relate to each other, the way we see ourselves, 
um, the way we love our enemies, until they see that, um, Christianity's kind of a joke. What brought you down this path? You have in your career been a pastor. Mm-hmm. We all know that within Christianity, we talk a lot about forgiveness. Have you experienced forgiveness? Mm-hmm. What it's like to experience? My, my goodness, even the centrality of forgiveness is is very early on within one of the central prayers across all of Christendom, the Lord's Prayer. That's right. And yet, as we've delineated here, there's a great deal of confusion about this and misconceptions about this. For you, what is it that, that suddenly quickened to your heart and spirit, Steve, the fact that there was so much lack of understanding of this topic and as a result was so crippling to the effectiveness of the church and the bride of Christ that, that caught your attention? There were actually four things, three of them in ministry as a new pastor and one of them very personal, and that's what pushed me over the edge. The first one was I was doing a lot of counseling of people who had been abused early in their lives. Now they were 40, 50, 60 years old. Some of them had been Christians longer than I had been alive. They they knew their Bible. They were born again. They were Sunday school teachers. They're leaders in the church. Some were pastors. And yet they would talk about these past experiences with the emotions as if they had happened yesterday. Mm. Now, my degree is actually in biology, and so I think like an engineer. And I didn't understand. Nobody could explain to me, how is it that an event that happens to us 30, 40 years ago can feel as real as if it happened yesterday or today? That concerned me. also concerned me that it, I could help them manage their pain and their guilt and their shame and their, their anger better, but they didn't seem to really be becoming free. That mm. was one. Secondly was, why do older Christians so often seem to plateau out in their spiritual growth? That concerned me. I mean, they, they still loved the Lord, served the Lord, gave to the Lord sacrifice, but they weren't growing like they did in the beginning. The third one was very concerning to me is why is it that every year we we all hear of a few respected Christian leaders in the church, maybe on a national level, maybe on our own local level, who are discovered to have fallen into some moral failure. Either their marriage falls apart, they're having an affair, or they're embezzling money, or they've become alcoholics. I didn't want to become one of those people. I wanted to know what are the mechanics that tears down a Christian leader and causes a complete moral failure of some sort. I didn't have a good answer for that either. People said it was all Satan. I said, well, it can't be all Satan because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Something else is going on. Why do these failures happen? But the fourth thing that really pushed me over was... um, Becky and I had been married about 15 years, and we have six children. And we were in a small three-bedroom home, still are. And we did homeschool, and so it was a very crowded house, very busy house, uh, with a lot of fatigue for Becky and I. And um, after about 15 years, I found myself becoming increasingly irritated with her. I didn't feel tempted to an affair or anything like that, but I found myself unable to control this constant growing it started as just irritation and as I tried to find out where it was coming from I could identify ways in which she was sinning she was not loving me the way I wanted needed to be loved 
and I would tolerate it. I would suppress it. I would use the fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-control, and, and, and love, try to love her anyway. Uh, and I knew I needed to forgive her. And so I, I prayed to forgive. I claimed to forgive. I acted as if I had forgiven. I pretended. I did everything I knew to forgive her at, for two years, and yet my anger increased, and that scared me. And Craig, at the end of two years, I prayed. I was a little desperate, and I said, Lord, I'm nowhere near divorce, but if you don't show me how to get rid of my anger the way Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, I'm in real trouble because I don't know where I'm going to be five years from now or ten years from now if this anger just keeps growing. And And ironically, what you're you're describing here is a lot of coping mechanisms that, quite frankly, many of us in the church— Use and label as forgiveness. Absolutely, and that's why I even say I pretended to forgive. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't really know well enough what forgiveness was, let alone how to do it, and so I threw everything at it I could and failed. And I said to God, "Let's just start over. I'm assuming nothing. I'm just going to go to the Bible, not to any of these books. Tell me what forgiveness is, and show me how to do it." for my marriage and for my ministry. And I didn't hear God say it, but he could have as well said, well, put your seatbelt on because I'm going to take you for a ride and you're not expecting this. And, and that's what changed my life, my ministry, as he started to show me what real forgiveness is. And honestly, I, you're right. There are bits and pieces of it in a lot of books, but I don't see anyone pulling it all together. And probably the biggest missing piece is simply this, Craig. As you have said, God forgives us of the penalty of our sin because Jesus paid the penalty. When we believe Jesus paid that penalty, it doesn't cause God to forgive us, but we start to receive it. We feel it. We experience it. None of those books say this. You forgive other people by believing Jesus died for them. And I don't know if that's because of our American culture where we interpret everything as about me. Mm -hmm. So we read a Bible verse that says Jesus died for the world, but what we hear and feel is Jesus died for me. Our music is, is reflective of this. We sing what can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's true. But that song is short, a whole bunch of verses. What can wash away my wife's sins, Becky's sins? See, I had to discover and focus on Jesus died for Becky. And if that's true, what does that mean for me? Boy, it p- puts us on the hook in a sense big time, doesn't it? When oh, yeah. We begin to realize that salvation is not exclusive. And let's face it, there's, I think, a certain appeal to our sin nature to say, well, I'm, I'm forgiven. Jesus has forgiven me, but you, oh, you sinner, yes, you, yes. gotta get you. And we sort of revel in that knowledge which is only half of the story, as you suggest, and the other half is so critical. We're going to talk about that when we come back after a brief time out. Steve Deal is with us today in studio where you're talking about the message of forgiveness, what it means to experience it, what it means to extend it, what it means to find wholeness in it. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation. We'll also get to your calls coming up a little bit later on. So if you're taking notes here about uh, what you want to ask, do so feverishly, because we'll open up the phone lines here in about 10 minutes and give you an opportunity to talk to Steve directly. Right now, though, we're going to pause and talk to Michael Bennett directly about what's going on traffic-wise. Michael, 534, what's happening? 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Yes, indeed. We are back and we are saying the word and talking about the topic today. Steve Deal in studio today with Forgiveness Ministries. I'll mention, by the way, and Steve can give us more details later on, there's going to be a special two-day workshop on the topic coming up the weekend of April the 27th and 28th, hosted by Walnut Creek Friends Church. And you can get details and uh, reserve your seat at ForgivenessMinistries.com. That's Forgiveness ministries.com. And Steve will tell us more about that coming up in a little bit here. Um, I I was struck by the idea, you mentioned this earlier, Steve, going through some of the challenges of witnessing what was happening with members of your congregation, as well as in your own marriage relationship, and this notion of managing pain, Mm -hmm. and how that we create certain coping mechanisms that ultimately we do just that. We've been wounded. We try to manage the pain, particularly because as Christians, we believe we have to And yet, that management of the pain is no different than a person who breaks their leg and takes some aspirin for it. You're managing the pain, but you're not dealing with the root cause. You have a fractured limb. It needs to be put in a cast. It needs to be healed properly, because if it doesn't, it can lead to lifelong pain. Amen. Amen. And that was one of the things, and maybe that's why God led me through the path of biology, Um, and I have that perspective. When I think of the human soul, which we cannot see or measure, it's not the brain, it's more than the brain. I believe the soul interfaces with the body through the brain, but they're two different things. The body dies, the brain dies, but the soul goes on. But the soul is who we are, created in the image of God. It's a very dynamic, powerful, I would have to say, piece of biological machinery. Spiritual biology, not physical, but I have to believe something that complicated is a very complicated piece of machinery made up of, I don't know, millions, trillions of parts, just like the human body. And as you just illustrated, when we break our leg, it means damage has happened to the tissue and the structure of the body itself. And for that reason, it hurts. And it not only hurts, but it cripples us. You can't walk on that leg. You can't use it. I use that same picture. I think the same God who made the physical world made the soul and that our souls can be damaged, that sins, whether they're our own sins or other people's sins against us, sins are to the human soul like what a knife is to the body. So when I sin, I stab my soul. When someone sins against me, they stab my soul. And time does not heal. Time doesn't even heal the physical body. Life heals. Our healing may take time, but time is not the cause of the healing. And that was actually now, if we go back to that first thing I said, how is it that something that happens to us 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago can still hurt as if it happened yesterday? I believe it's because it's still a broken bone. Mm-hmm. It's not been healed. And, and, and to your point, we see oftentimes pain as simply a consequence. We stumble, we fall, we skin our knee, we're in pain. That's a consequence of stumbling and falling. But it's also a warning sign yes. to say, gee, I've injured myself. I may need attention to make sure that I don't get infected. I need or to do something The leg about needs this. to be set. It yes. needs to be put into a brace or into a cast. And so the pain can be a warning sign. I I, I guess where it can fault us is if we don't respond to the warning sign to say, okay, there's a wound here. In this case, an emotional wound, a spiritual wound. A soul wound. That's what you want to say. Our emotions are actually a part of the symptoms of the damage in the soul. 
when we sin, we feel guilt, we feel shame, we feel sorrow. Something's happened in our soul. When someone sins against us, we feel the hurt and mm-hmm. we feel the anger. Something's broken. Something We've been knifed. And just as you said again, if, if we treated our soul, well, actually, we're treating, if we treated our bodies the way we treated our souls, we would have terrible physical damage in our bodies and do nothing about it. Or we would pretend. Or maybe we would take painkillers and say, painkillers are fixing the problem. Painkillers don't fix the problem. They just mask Mm -hmm. the problem. And in a sense, many of us do, don't we? And and by that I mean as much as the individual who has chronic pain because of an injury and now they're taking whatever their, their medication du jour is, others that are experiencing the effects of the soul pain are taking other types of medication may come in the form of alcohol abuse. It could be in the form of infidelity toward a spouse, gluttony, gambling. What you're labeling are compulsive behaviors. I believe the power, the pressure that drives compulsive behaviors is the brokenness in the soul. And that temporarily escapism that essentially gives us a little bit of temporary relief from the lingering pain Mm-hmm. And that pain, boy, if you talk about pain that's there for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, talk about a deep root. Right. And desperate people do desperate things. Mm-hmm. And chronic pain, even low-level chronic pain, whether it's physical or in our soul, will will drive people to become desperate. So if you see from a pastoral perspective somebody who, after years established in relationship with a spouse and involved maybe in ministry or certainly in their their relationship with Christ suddenly goes off the rails mm-hmm. and does something completely outlandish. Do you look at that and say, aha, there is an indicator that there is somebody who was deeply wounded and never got healed, has never been healed, never extended or experienced forgiveness in that area of their life. Amen. That's exactly how I think. And that's the answer to that third question I saw. Why is it that we find every year a few respectable, noted Christian leaders falling? When I see that, I just go, that's the symptom of a wounded, broken soul that's not functioning right. We know things are broken when they don't function right. That's the very definition of being broken. It's not working the way it's supposed to. So how is it that seminary-trained, gifted, born-again, justified by faith, men and women, leaders in the church can have such massive failures? I'd say uh, there's something broken in their soul, probably more than one thing. And their coping mechanism, whatever it was, was good enough to keep it buried until a crisis happened. And then as you pointed out in the previous segment, The failure to connect the dots, so to speak, in understanding that as central to our salvation and experiencing forgiveness from God as the blood of Christ, the cross is, Mm -hmm. to salvation, it is also central to the the human forgiveness experience in the the receiving and extending of forgiveness on the horizontal plane. But all too often we leave that component out. Right. We either leave it out or we substitute a different definition for forgiveness, a different model. And that's why I think, again, to those 60 authors, if you listen to them talk about how God forgives us, 
they will bring the cross of Christ into its proper place. But when they talk about forgiving someone else, all of a sudden the cross of Christ mm-hmm. vanishes and they substitute something else. So that's how God forgives us, but not how, we because for- of that shortcoming, how we forgive others. Yeah, which is actually the opposite of what God says in both Colossians and Ephesians, where he says, just as you have been forgiven, forgive one another. There's also a disconnect here, and I want to have you address this when we come back after the break. The disconnect between understanding the 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 appropriation of um, forgiveness of penalty, mm-hmm. which is what Christ Jesus and the cross for. affords, versus forgiveness from consequences, Correct. which are two very unique things. Although very some people think, well, so. I just heard you said the same thing, Craig. No, I didn't. And and Steve Deal is going to tell us what the difference between the two is. Why it's so critically important. Let me also at this juncture open up phone lines. We're going to take a brief time out and engage, engage with more of our conversation with Pastor Steve Deal of Forgiveness Ministries. If you want to jump in with a comment or a question, toll free 888-367-5329, 888-367-5329, or simply 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. I realize there may be some aspects of what you want to ask or share that might be sensitive. You may be fearful that somebody to whom you have failed to extend forgiveness or are um, feeling as if they have failed to extend forgiveness toward you may be listening. You don't want you talked about in church on Sunday. Maybe your, your spouse is listening. If you feel more comfortable changing your first name in the city that you're calling from to protect your anonymity, we're okay with that. You think, well, I don't know what name to come up with. Jarrell will come up with a list. I think John Doe was a frequent one, but anyway, yeah, John Jarrell will assign you a name. So if you feel more comfortable, I would rather have you call in and ask the question than not because you're afraid of of being found out. So uh, with that, triple eight three six seven five three two nine, you can call in with a question or just continue to enjoy the conversation, which we'll get back to right after we get to a look at traffic. The latest from the KFAX Traffic Center, Michael Bennett. What's going on out there? Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com